Brewing Network is proud to present Beer Radio that turns ordinary homebrew into award-winning beer. The Jameel Show. And now, your hosts, Jameel Zainashef and John Plisse. Good morning, my brewing brothers. And Once sisters. again, how's it going, Fitty G? <laughs> going all right, buddy. Jay Z, Jay Z, that's me. I like. That. I was Jay Z before some rap dude was became Jay Z. Your name was Jamal. It was. <laughs> no, it's Jamal. <laughs> no, I was Jay Z, and you know, and of course, I can't get Jay Z dot com because guess what? Some rap guy hasn't. You know, some hip hop guy. You and I should do a hip hop song. I'm serious. <laughs> I know, and that's what's that's what's so scary. Okay. <laughs> uh, today we're talking about cider. Yes, apples, apples, cider. Lots of you, apples. Can, you can make cider out of all sorts of things, but uh, yeah. generally, when you're talking about cider, it's apples. Otherwise, mm-hmm. pear-y, things like that. And that would be pears. Exactly. There you go. Very good. See, you've been studying. I have that, or you just naturally smart, I'm and that's <laughs> and you just figured it out on the fly. <laughs> Before we get into that. <clears throat> I want to go over an email we get here. If you if you send an email to uh, Jamel at thebrewingnetwork.com or John, J-O-N, at thebrewingnetwork.com, we will answer those emails. We're answer every single one of them. If we don't answer it, then it got like caught by some spam filter or something. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah. Which happens. You know, if you're including naked photos of yourself, then that sometimes it, it may stun us and it'll take us... An extra week to, to reply. reply. But we get a lot of emails, so sometimes it takes some time to get back to you. But we answer every single one, and we're happy to, to do that and answer questions and stuff. I got this uh, email from Chris. Chris says, hey, Jamel, first of all, I just want to say you are the man. You give so much to the homebrew world. <laughs> this is why I picked this one, because it uh, you just need to reassure so yourself. Yeah, reassure myself. Make myself. Yeah. I just want to say, see, the problem is I haven't gone through the process of, of uh, trimming this down and uh, typing out my reply and everything. Right. So I'm just like reading a raw email here and that's that's why Spontaneity is good, buddy. Okay. okay. I just wanted to say thank you. My beers are so much better now. Okay, so here's my problem. I brewed your Robos Porter a little less than two weeks ago. I'm an extract brewer and I used US, 10, US uh, 56 dry yeast. I added four ounces of Hershey's cocoa powder for a three-gallon batch in the last five minutes of the boil. That sounds good. My original gravity was 1066, and when I checked the gravity a few minutes ago, it was 1028. I live in Louisville, Kentucky, which is a really nice place, and it's gotten chilly here. Did the cocoa powder mess with the gravity, or do you believe my yeast got cold and went dormant? I'm guessing the fermentation was in the mid-60s. I read on the B3 forum someone had this exact question. Hmm. I've swirled and moved my fermenter to a warmer spot. I'll check again in a few days. The, the hydro sample tastes really good. I just don't want a, any bottle bombs. Yeah, that's that's you know something you really need to be uh, wary of if you're going to bottle beer <coughs> is to make sure that's fully fermented. Oh yeah, and then you're not going to get bottle bombs because that does happen. Don't add as much corn sugar, especially in ciders. That can happen. My only bottle bombs are in ciders. Really? Yeah. Uh, <coughs> and uh, the cocoa should not affect the uh, gravity as far as uh, measuring the gravity because uh, any any particulate won't necessarily affect gravity. 
So if you have hot hot bits in your in your uh, in your uh, hydrometer sample, it won't affect gravity right. because it's the dissolved sugars in the liquid, it's the specific gravity of the liquid, and and the solids don't really come into play there. So calculating this out, it looks like he's got a about a fifty two percent attenuation on this, which Ouch. is awfully low for California ale yeast. And it depends on what the extract was used, and sometimes um, you got to be really careful when you're taking your measurements, uh, especially when you're using extract, and, and uh, you got to make sure that's really well mixed and get get your proper hydrometer sample, adjust for temperature, things like that. And same thing on your finishing one. But in this case, if if, if that's the the measurements you're getting. I would uh, definitely uh, swirl that, move it warmer. One of the things about the the California ale yeast, the 1056 yeast, the US 56 yeast, is that in my experience, if I try and get it below 65 degrees Fahrenheit, and again, I apologize to our uh, listeners who are using uh, uh, other measurements, I neglected to do all my my conversions before the show. I'll have it again next week. Uh, anyways, uh, the Actually, I won't because we're going to play the Scorch okay. show. I already did that, and it's, I missed on that, too. So you get below 65? You get below 65 Fahrenheit. Thank you for keeping me on track. Yes. Uh, it, the yeast just slows down and poops out for me. Mm-hmm. Now, people have said that they ferment with California ale yeast at 62 degrees. I have not been able to do that, and I don't know why. And I think maybe it's because I'm starting warmer. And, and no matter how slow I bring it down, just under 65, it tends to kind of give up the ghost. Maybe if you started at 62 and went up. You'd be okay, but right. I have a real difficult time with that. So part of that, yeah, if it, you really don't want it to get below that. Uh, I would ferment, if you're doing the robust porter and the chocolate robust porter and you're using the 56 yeast or the 1056, the white yeast 1056 or the White Labs uh, California ale yeast, keep it at around 68 or so. And that gives you a little cushion. It ferments stronger, attenuates a little better. Uh, really the better way to go. I would uh, move this warmer, move it up to seventy degrees or so. Not not a problem. You know, you can you can get up, into, up to seventy, yeah. swirl it. Uh, if that doesn't do anything, uh, what I would do is maybe rack it off the the lees because uh, you want to get off that that yeast that's uh, apparently uh, not doing anything. Uh, do some fresh yeast, and if you're using dry yeast, you need to rehydrate. I don't care what the pack says. Yeah, uh, it does work, you, but not as well. Right, you're gonna kill off like fifty percent of the yeast. Yeah. The uh, dry yeast has like 20 billion cells per gram, and you know those packs. And, and the manufacturers say it's like you know six billion or eight billion or whatever. Right. It's because I guess they're expecting you to kill most of them off by just <laughs> tossing them in the wort. If you look at their professional instructions for dry yeast, they say uh, to rehydrate it. Like with 90 degree water, 95. Right. Yeah, it, it depends on the strain. Right. But they say to rehydrate it, and so they're telling the probers to rehydrate it. For you, they're saying, oh, no, just throw it in." You can throw it in, and you can use extra yeast, and it'll be okay. But I think it's just better to rehydrate properly, so you're not getting all dumping a bunch of dead cells into your beer and having those dead cells from day one. Now, hydration is just to hydrate the cell walls, right? To wake right. them up, right? The, the cell walls, uh, when they're all dried out, mm-hmm. uh, one of the things is they cannot control what passes through the membrane, right? And if you put them into wort, they're going to get a bunch of sugars in there, and you're going to you know stun and kill a bunch of the yeast. You do water, the water passes through, it's okay. It's not going to hurt them, right? So you rehydrate with water, and then there's um, uh, rehydration uh, uh, supplements. And don't use tap water. Yourself. 
Uh, use use tap water or pre-boil it at least. Right. Yeah. yeah. You want you want a sanitized uh, water. Right. But once you properly get the cells in shape, then they're able to they puff back out and the cells become uh, you know able to handle what crosses the membrane mm. and then they're safe to go into the word. Unless unless you do that, you're just going to kill off a bunch of yeast. Then they can go to work. Right, right. So yeah, I would I would move that warmer. You're you're on the right track. Move it warmer, swirl it, get that yeast back up in there, see if it can start going again. Monitor your temperature every day too. Yeah, yeah. You the know. temperature control one of you the biggest it. things on you know ales or lagers. You know if you can control the temperature, you can make really great beer. Mm-hmm. And you know you can't. I think you need to get really lucky. Make it to make spectacular beer, the the beer that makes you go, oh my god, this yeah. is you know just the most fantastic thing I ever drank. Yeah. You can get lucky and get that with without temperature control, right? But with temperature control, you can hit that a lot more often. Oh, yeah. So even for your ales, you know, get yourself a fridge, get yourself a controller, and uh, do it in there, or get yourself a heat pad if you're in a cold area, and do it that way. And then you know you don't have the yeast dropping out, things like that. Mm. Ciders, ciders. All right, it's so doozy. <laughs> well, tell us about ciders. Well, well, what, there's a lot of different cider? styles of ciders. Uh-huh. Um, most common is a common cider, right? We'll play on words here. Um, common cider is probably the hardest one to make. It's about five percent. Uh, they can be dry, medium, sweet. Um, they usually have a subtle apple aroma um, and some bitterness, but not too much from the tannin from apples. Um, it should be a session drink. You know, you should be able to drink a few of these. It should be refreshing, you know, mm-hmm. just like apple juice but with alcohol in it. Mm-hmm. But not as rich as an apple juice. That would be more like a French cider where a French cider would have a lot more residual sugar. Um, it would be bigger in apple flavor, apple aroma, and it would be sw- basically sweeter. And then there's also an English cider, which is probably cloudier, uh, drier, it usually goes through malolactic fermentation, so you might get some what they call in the guidelines smoked bacon character hmm. um, from a wild fermentation. Or if you inoculate within a malolactic fermentation, you get that malolactic flavor in your cider. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is common in a lot of right. wines. Right, exactly. Converts uh, the lactic acid to a... Or malic to lactic. Right. Right. Uh, converts, converts it to a less acidic... Yeah, it just takes off variety. the sharp... Acidity that malic acid has in wine or in or in apples. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a lot of malic acid in apples, so when you put a malolactic in there, it, con- it converts the malic to lactic acid. Um, generally, an English cider's drier, full-bodied, kind of harsh with tannin, uh-huh. um, and a French cider is sweet, full-bodied, right. rich, fair so amount of apple character. So the common cider is probably the most balanced of those. Yeah, it's. it's it's like an English cider and a French cider are upgrades of a common cider. They're just bigger impression, you know, impressions of of, of a common cider. Basically, right. they tend to have other things that kind of stand out in the styles. Yeah. Versus uh, just the common cider would be, you know, a fairly balanced, uh, easy drinking cider. Right. Your your daily cider that you have with, uh, you know, after you brush your teeth in the morning. Right. right. It's not tasty. In place of your orange juice. Yeah. Don't mix don't mix cress and cider. <laughs> don't really. Recommend. From experience, is that what you're saying? Or if you ever drink orange juice after you brush your teeth? Yeah. That's horrible. Same thing. Don't oh, okay. Okay. Uh, have you had any good commercial examples of cider? Um, I, th- I think I've had Blackthorn. Uh-huh. That was pretty good. And there was an English one I had. I don't remember the name, but I... Now, Blackthorn, isn't that kind of dry? It's or? a dry cider, yeah. I believe. Um, I like dry, but 
not too dry. Mm-hmm. And I don't like highly acidic ciders. Right, right. Like that just does not taste good. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just tart and it's just kind right. of puckers your cheeks and it's not that refreshing. I like apple juice. Right. So when I drink a cider, I like to get an impression of an apple. Right. And right. and the sweetness from the apple. That's right. me I do too. And, and maybe you know? maybe I'm just a, a heathen, a savage. You are. But you know, uh, <laughs> you know what is it? Uh, that uh, Hornsby's Pub Draft Cider. Yeah. Made by uh, like. Ernest and Julio Gallo or something? Yeah. I, I, I actually think that's pretty good. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think, isn't it in the style guides even? Yeah. I think it is. Ugh. But, uh, you know, that's a fairly balanced cider. Mm-hmm. So one that, that isn't too sweet, uh, isn't too dry. Right. And, uh, you know, has, uh, you know, a nice apple character to it. Right. Quite a bit of apple character to it as well. Right. And a fairly soft, uh, carbonation. Right. What about types of apples? I mean, I'm sure the type of apples contribute to flavor. So, like a good, you know, good grape and wine. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh, absolutely. It's all about the apples. When you made your cider, you went to Apple Hill. Do you know? Do you remember what type of apples they were? Well, what I what I tend to do, we're lucky here that we have uh, Apple Hill nearby, yeah. and right. it's, a, it's a fairly short drive, especially where I live. You know, I can be up to Apple Hill in half an hour, forty minutes, or whatever. And there's all these uh, apple orchards, and they make their own apple juices and things like that. And you can take a carboy up and, you know, get them to fill a carboy for you if they're doing the, the pressing. And what I've done in the past is I've gone around to the different places, and I've tried all their apple ciders, their, their house blend. <laughs> and you want to find one that uh, is a balance between the tart. You know, you don't want them really sweet. Right, uh, but if they are sweet, you want some uh, tartness to it. You, you know, usually they're all about um, twelve bricks. Apple apple juice ten, on average is twelve bricks, which is like ten forty eight, ten forty eight right. or so. Okay, which is right in there for for a common cider. Common cider, you're going to go in the you know mid forties uh, to the mid to upper sixties as far as original gravity, and. So you're starting with that. If you want a bigger beer, you're going to add sugar to it, just table sugar. But you want one, if it tastes sweet, since they're all around 12 bricks, if it tastes really sweet, then it doesn't have enough acidic apples in it and enough tannins in it. Hmm. And what you want to do is find one that tastes really good, that has that, that tannin acid blend. And then when the, even if it's got some, some sweetness to it, and when the, the sugar drops out from fermentation, that's going to bring that, that crisp apple tannin sourness right. a little more to the front. Well, it'll, it'll round off that sweetness edge. It'll right. just balance right. it out. Right. Hmm. And, you know, you get some other characters from the alcohol and the esters and things like that mm-hmm. from the fermentation. But y- you want to find a, an apple juice that's like that. Now, for the majority of the people in the United States, there tends to be uh, apples grown all over the United States. And there tends to be a lot of apple orchards out there. So you may not be, there's some places where they're not, but you may not be that far from some apple orchards and mm-hmm. places that are making, uh, you know, uh, apple juices. And here in the U.S., we call apple cider, um, you know, the juice, apple juice. Right. And elsewhere in the world, apple cider is... A fermented apple juice right. with alcohol in it, right. and here we call it uh, hard apple cider, right. meaning that it's it's a little kick to it. Yeah, it's don't feed it to your kids, it. right? Right. <laughs> so, uh, 
you can, you can get those ciders or juices at your local uh, uh, area, and it, you know it I, I can take though? the family. Yeah, that's why we're doing the show this this time of year. So this is when they pick, or right or about now, you really? should be able to get some apples. Or coming up in a few weeks, you should yeah. be able to get some some apples and apple juices at these places. Hmm. And if you're really into it, yes, you can select your own crop of apples. You know your own blend. Get a press. In some places, yeah, you can do a, a press and and a and a grinder and all that stuff. Uh, but some of these places, if you're buying enough, if you get like a club or you get a bunch of people together and you say, hey, yeah, we need you know a thousand pounds of apples. We want you know three hundred pounds of you know this and four hundred pounds of that and three hundred pounds of that and you know grind it up for us. Uh, they'll do that for you. Some places. They'll actually press it there. Yeah. Do they, for, yeah. do they take the skins off? Uh, no, they just grind the whole thing. And then just throw it into a press? And right. The, huh. uh, they, they grind it up and they put it in these uh, sacks. Mm-hmm. Um, they used to use muslin. Now I think they're using synthetic things. Right. And then it gets uh, pressed and all the juice gets squeezed out of it. And then there's a hard pulp that usually gets fed to pigs or whatever. Right. The uh, skins are important because they have the tannins in them. Okay. They have a lot of the character of the apple. Right. And without the skins, it's, you know, it's a real problem. So it would be too sweet then without the skins. Right. Yeah. If you do end up with a juice that, uh, you know, even in your finished cider, if it doesn't taste quite right and it needs a little more tannin to balance, you can add, uh, uh, they have grape tannin uh, powders yeah, that you can get from winemaking like, uh, supplies. It's like a quarter ounce per five or something. Right. You can, you can, you can. Toss in some of that right. um, tannins. You can toss in some acid blend mm-hmm. uh, to adjust your your it's acid all your citric and, and uh, acid tartaric. Tartaric, right. right, you can add you can add some of those acids to to your cider even after it's finished to adjust the acidity if it's if it ends up sweet and not enough acid. So there's, you got a lot of options there. What about the importance of sulfiding it once you get your juice? To uh, prevent any wild microflora, right? You know, good question. If you're yeah. doing something more along the lines of uh, an English cider, or you want to be um, uh, creative there, you can just have them press those apples, and there's yeast all over them, right? And they, it'll ferment. That would be more English right. cider, right? Funk. Well, and you, you never know what you come up with, but uh, otherwise, you know, you throw a couple of Camden tablets in there mm-hmm. and sulfite the must. And uh, before you wait uh, another 24 hours and then pitch your yeast, right. uh, rehydrate your yeast and pitch it. One thing w- to know with canum tablets is to crush it. Right. You so must crush it. Add it they, they'll just sit there in a lump in the bottom. Right. And it can add some sulfur aromas, too, if you don't dilute it with water because mm-hmm. you got to make it soluble so it can go into solution. Right. So, Or you can buy potassium metabisulfite, which right. is powdered already. Mm-hmm. It's easier. to You don't have to break it up. Mm-hmm. You know. Good point. Quarter teaspoon per five gallons. Mm-hmm. So. And and that'll that'll stun off all that wild yeast, and then you pitch your yeast and, and let it. Uh, Which, as a brewer, you'd want to do, right? I mean, unless you want to go with wild yeast and wild malolactic. Right. Cool. <laughs> now, now there's other ways to do it. Where um, the other thing you're going to want to add is some uh, yeast nutrients, hmm. right? Do you add fermented K? Uh, I I didn't when I when I last made my ciders, but. Um, you, you certainly could. Okay. And uh, so you, you just want to make sure you have a proper uh, uh, yeast nutrients to add in there. There's there's not the same nutrients you're going to get in wort. Right. Right. So you really need to add that. If you're going to add uh, sugar to bring up the, the starting gravity of the, of the cider, you just use plain old table sugar. Uh, one pound of table sugar in a five U.S. gallon uh, batch is... Uh, 
a about nine points of specific gravity. So okay. So if you want to go from uh and and again your juice is going to start around um, twelve bricks or ten forty eight. You can add a couple pounds of sugar and be around you know ten sixty six. Wow. Or one pound of sugar and be you know uh, mid fifties. Okay. I wouldn't go too high. Again, the one of the one of the things about this, like John was saying earlier, is it should be a drinkable thing, something you can you can have a a pint of, and you know not not be trashed or you know that, that you want to have a couple pints mm-hmm. of. And if you add too much sugar, you know it, it starts to uh, kind of counter the the character of the apple, and it tends to thin out. And, you know, you get the alcohol. It can be nice on a on a warm winter's night, but. Uh, if you want to uh, have something a little more refreshing, I would go stick with the lower gravity. Right. It turns out pretty good. One of the uh, alternatives to doing the fresh juice like that is going with extracts and kits. So, extract and kits. I mean, started right. out simple and yeah. And when we come back from the break, we'll we'll get into you know how you how you choose the right kits and what you can do what what shortcuts you can take if you can't get to uh, fresh juice right One of the questions uh, coming in from the chat room was about uh, pasteurizing your your must instead of uh, sulfiding it. Right. And some of the places you get cider at up at these places, they actually have the ability to pasteurize, and they'll pasteurize some of them. You can get pre-pasteurized. You want to make sure if you're getting a juice, and especially if it's in jugs or something like that, that it does not have preservatives. Hmm. Okay, if it's got preservatives in it, it's not going to ferment. It's going to kill your yeast. Hmm. So either get the pasteurized, no preservatives, or you could heat your, your must up to, you know, 160 or so, 160, 170, and hold it for a given amount of time for pasteurization. There's low temperature pasteurization, which takes longer, mm-hmm. or higher temperature pasteurization, which takes shorter period of time. Generally, you go with the lower temperature pasteurization because you have no way of rapidly chilling it down to get it off that heat. Mm-hmm. When they do the flash pasteurization, they heat it up to a high temp, and then they lower it back down quickly. Mm-hmm. So, um, but you could, if you wanted to, take juice, put it in your boil kettle as a brewer, mm-hmm. put your wort chiller in it, mm-hmm. heat it up to 160, right, and then chill it down in half hour. Yeah, that'd be okay, right? Yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, not a bad way to go. If you're if you're can't get fresh juice, a lot of folks say, hey, you know, how about if I get that can of treetop from the frozen concentrate from the the store and all that. You know, really concentrated juice doesn't make for a good cider. Right. It really doesn't. And if if you're going to go to a concentrate or if you're going to use a juice kit, uh, a cider kit from one of the manufacturers, I made a uh, a peach cider that placed in the second round of the Nationals, and that was from a kit from a company in Canada. I can't remember, Sun something or other. And 
it was a great kit, and it was apple juice, and it was uh, not very highly concentrated. Hmm. So it, was, it had a, a fresh juice and then some sort of peach extract that was added to it. You just add water back to it, right? Yeah, you add a little water back to it. So you want to get one that it, that's the least concentrated down, because the more they concentrate it down, the more it impacts the flavors, makes it more caramelly, makes it more, uh, you know, just stale seeming. You know, it's like cooked apples. Yeah. Versus, it's the difference between eating a fresh apple yeah. and eating a cooked apple. Right. Uh, you know, both can be quite enjoyable, but if you're making cider, you want the fresh apple character. Hmm. So, uh, you know, that's that's something to be aware of, and that's that's why you can't use the canned apple juice kits. You, I suppose, if you were um, looking to add back a little bit of apple flavor. You could add a little bit of something like that and a little sweetness. I've done that in the past. Just sweeten it up a little bit? Right. You you ferment out your, your cider, and then you kill everything in it uh, using, uh, you know, uh, metabisulfide or, you know, whatever you're going to use to kill off the yeast. Make sure all the yeast is dead, rack it, and then adjust. And I've used uh, apple concentrate, or you can use fresh apple juice mm-hmm. and add a little bit back. Fresh pasteurized apple juice, add a little bit back, and... Uh, uh, it'll, uh, you know, bring up the apple flavor, the apple aroma, and some of the sweetness. Now, that stuff's already been pre-pasteurized, so you can just open it up and pour it in, right? Right. Okay. Right. But here's the interesting thing. Uh, the one time I had bottle bombs was I was making apple cider, and I somehow forgot to kill off my yeast. And, and I added the, the, um, concentrate to a keg and adjusted a little bit got the flavor right where i wanted a little bit of residual sweetness because otherwise when you ferment this out if you let it ferment all the way it's bone dry Mm -hmm. with any of these yeasts it's pretty much bone dry Mm -hmm. and uh it tasted good Uh, carbonation was right i went to bottle it bottle it in some bombers and uh I ended up with a couple of them exploding had to throw the whole thing away it was just too dangerous to open the remaining bottles they're loud it's like gunshot yeah, luckily I had them in a case box, okay. and so it contained the uh, shrapnel. Although some shrapnel. of the tops went flying, you know, here and there. I I didn't wasn't actually there for them to explode. Nice, but I saw debris and a big puddle of cider and stuff. A couple of them burst. Mm-hmm. So you have to be real careful about that because uh, if you don't kill that yeast off, uh, you know, or you know, keep it in a keg. The kegs have pressure relief valves on them, and you'll be safe that way. Now, the kill the yeast off, you can use what sulfite, mm-hmm. canum tablets. Mm-hmm. Which is sodium metabisulfite, right? Well, there's sodium metabisulfite and there's potassium metabisulfite. Right. right. And then there's sor- potassium sorbate. The sorbate, yeah. The sorbate will do a good job, too. Right. And that is, but you don't want to use sorbate with malolactic because that can add some off aromas, oh, okay. supposedly. I, I hadn't heard that. That's a, that's a good tip. There, it, supposedly, potassium sorbate will react with the sorbic acid and a little uh, give like this orange spicy aroma hmm. that you don't really want in mm-hmm. cider. So. Just okay. be careful. If you're doing a malolactic, or or if you're if you if you're gonna make cider and you have a wild malolactic, mm-hmm. make sure it's completed mm-hmm. before you probably bottle it and don't use sorbet. Hmm. Okay, good good tips. Yeah. As far as yeast goes for this, you can use. Uh, you know, we're we're big fans of all the Y yeast and White Labs products, especially for beers, and they they have uh, cider yeasts and uh, sweet mead yeasts, which. Uh, you can also use for cider. If you want something, a, a dry cider, a dry version of this, you can go with the Y Yeast 4766 or the White Labs uh, WLP 775, which is their English cider. It's a and, pretty popular strain, too. Right, and that'll, that'll, that'll dry it out mm-hmm. quite a bit. 
uh, leaves some fruit character dries out quite a bit. If you want something that could be uh, sweeter, they both have a sweet mead yeast that you could try. The thing about any of these yeasts is on a on a twelve bricks uh, cider, they tend to ferment pretty much all the way out. So you can do one of two things: you can ferment it down to where it's the right sweetness taste every once in a while, it seems just about right, and then stun all the yeast, right. rack it off, you know, stun the yeast again, and uh, you know you should be you should be good at that point. Uh, or you know, let it ferment all the way out, get off the yeast, do a stunning of the of whatever stray yeast are in there, and then add some some sugar and uh, apple uh, aroma back hmm. through a concentrate or something like that, or fresh juice. Now they tend to ferment out drier because they're just a single sugar, right? It's just right. They tend to be simple sugars, simple sugars, a lot of fructose. Okay, and uh, they tend to ferment out uh, quite dry, and you end up with uh, very low gravities a lot of times. So, could you use any ale yeast? Well, you can use ale yeast, and I've done that before, and uh, I've tried especially quite a bit with the California ale yeast. And again, it ends up pretty dry. Hmm. Um, the character doesn't seem quite right. It, it's it's all right, and it it does a good job. And maybe I just haven't had enough experience trying this. Mm-hmm. I've actually had much better results with the dry wine yeasts, as far as flavor. As far as flavor, okay. yeah, you know, I think a cider is a lot of times closer to a wine than it is to a beer. Right. You know, I kind of bounce back and forth. But uh, the the variety of dry wine yeasts out there, you were mentioning some uh, before the show that, that you would think would be good for a cider. What were those? Uh, if you wanted a sweet, Cotes de Blanc mm-hmm. um, or a Montrachet. Mm-hmm. Um, if you wanted a high alcohol, like a Champagne-like, use a Lavalin EC1118 mm-hmm. or the 1116. They can both handle up to 16 to 18% alcohol. Mm-hmm. So they'll just rip through it. I mean, you're going to have right. a dry cider, right? You know, but again, you can uh, let it ferment out, kill the yeast, and then you know add back. and And they even have uh, what do they call it? Wine conditioner, hmm. which is uh, usually comes in you know uh, a liquid form, mm-hmm. and it's uh, sugar and a like a sorbate or something, right? And you add that in, and it kills the kills the yeast and sweetens up uh, whatever you have. Hmm. So you can you can do something like that too. What about sulfur production? I mean, some of those strains like Cote de Blanc, I mean, mm-hmm. they'll produce a fair amount of sulfur. Mm-hmm. Or even if you added sulfide or something, I mean, you got to right, be really careful. How, so how do you? Uh, well, you can rack it and uh, you know drive uh, drive off like they do for uh, some wine. Sometimes you can so just aerating it. A if little you bit have aeration. aeration. Okay. You get a good strong ferment that tends to blow a lot of that out right. as well. And do you smell that when you're fermenting your cider? I mean, in your oh, room, yeah. you get yeah. a little sulfur. Yeah. You, you get some sulfur out of that, not not uh, a ton, but you you will get some, which is which can be okay. Uh, anyways, those those uh, wine yeasts, I, I think, you know, it, it produces a good character for it, and I would I would choose that tend to choose that over beer yeasts for for cider, <laughs> and then uh, you know, uh, adjust it to to, to come back. And again, you can make you can make a common cider, which we're, what we're talking about, right. really, not not the French or the English, but you can make a, a common cider drier or sweeter. But you know, I tend to think of them best drinking when they're a little more balanced. So right. you want some residual sweetness in there. The style guide says uh, you know final gravity of like uh, up to ten twenty, up to ten twenty, yeah. And 
you know that that that's, that's a fair amount of residual sweetness. You're going to have to do something to the yeast to to end up uh, with that kind of residual and kill it. <laughs> what do you think about using wild yeast? <laughs> well, I think that's a, a shotgun. A, a, an interesting uh, an interesting uh, approach. Right. Just I think let it go. Yeah, if if you if you've never tried it, you might want to try it. Uh, I wouldn't try it with a big batch of, of uh, must, but you know, try it with a smaller one right. and see what you think. Uh, most of the times, you know, you may be an area where you get lucky, and it'll work out great. Right. But most of the time, it tends to work out really funky. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's worth a try. You know, sometimes. The problem is it gets a real vomit-like uh, kind of character to it. And that's not a good character. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it smells well, like vomit. Don't drink it, right? Right. Yeah. Well, we asked Justin. He he might he might be up for it. He's okay with that. Usually, yeah, if I, if I have a vomit beer, I just give it to Justin. <laughs> he drinks it right down. It's not a problem. What else? Well, and, uh, you know, if you're – if you don't have access – you know, we talked earlier about how – uh, most places there's access to fresh apple juice. If not, you know, perhaps you might try fresh pears. Uh, right across the river from where I live, there's all these pear orchards and I can get, you know, pears for like 10 cents a pound Whoa. for, you know, a thousand pounds if we want, if we want to do pears. Oh yeah. Um, and the, uh, you know, if, if you make it with, uh, pears, it's perry. Not, it's not, uh, really considered uh, cider or it's not uh, apple cider anymore it's perry and then you could try other fruits as well peaches maybe or? yeah you know uh, again I made a peach cider for the uh, for the nationals and did quite well with it but it was uh, an apple base with uh, peach extract added okay. I believe so it's just a hint of peach flavor right okay because the apple you know the the apple juice if you ferment that out dry mm-hmm. there's not a lot of apple flavor to it and if you you're expecting apple flavor, you're gonna have to add some of it back, flavor and aroma. And the best way to add it back is with some juice or some concentrate after you've killed off the yeast. Right. Generally, I like to use a little bit of juice. So when you go when I when I go up to Apple Hill, I take the family up. We have make a big day of it. Get get all sorts of you know great things there. They got little train rides and stuff. I'll get the carboy or two of of the juice, and they also sell it in jugs. Pre, uh, you know, uh, packaged like a like a one gallon milk jug of of juice, right. and it's pasteurized. And I'll set that aside, uh, you know, or freeze it. Oh, so and, you keep it for later, right? And I'll I'll make my, my cider. I'll let it get dry. I'll stun the yeast, and uh, I'll get things conditioned up where I've added some uh, CO two. I'll taste it, see how it is, and then. I'll uh, dose, a, you know, get a glass of it. I'll add some of that that fresh juice back, and see what kind of character I get from that. Hmm. So you definitely recommend having different types of sweetness of apple cider around, just so you can blend to your to your own taste. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Well, the apple juice, anyways, right. and then add some of that back. That's that brings up another point. You can actually, uh, um, you can actually uh, add uh, a couple of different juices together. So if you don't find, you find one that's too tannic and one that's, uh, not tannic enough, you could, you know, get half from one, one orchard and half from another. Right. And then blend those two together. We should talk about clarity next. 
Okay. Yeah. And when we come back, we'll we'll wrap up uh, talk about pectins and things like that. Now, back to the Jameel Show. Alright, we're back. It's me and Johnny P talking about Saturday. And Jay-Z. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta lower that voice. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah baby. <laughs> so, carbonation. Carbonation. Yeah. So, ciders can be uh, anything from still to sparkling. Right. Me, I like them on the lower end of the carbonation, personally, but it's anything that, that floats your boat. The sweeter it is, the more carbonation it tends to be able to handle. Right. The drier it is, you know, you get too much carbonation. It really, unless you really like them dry and, and, uh, tart and, and, uh, palate scraping, uh, <laughs> it is palate scraping, palate scrapingly, uh, uh, dry, then, uh, I wouldn't go too, too high on the carbonation there. The easiest way is to, uh, keg, keg your ciders. And then, you know, if you want to bottle them, counter pressure fill them. Right. Cause otherwise, the, the problem is, if you, uh, add, add a lot of this stuff back, unless you're going with a yeast that, the, you know, the right amount of yeast, right amount of sugars, if you want to get that residual sugar to, to add the sweetness and stuff, it's going to end up, uh, drying out in the bottle and, you know, you can have bottle bonds and stuff, you gotta be real careful. Right. You don't want to kill off your yeast either if you're going to bottle condition. Right. And you can't, you can't, <laughs> can't uh, kill it off, right? Right. I mean, we're talking about killing off the yeast, but if you go with still, uh, uh, cider, you can. And that's most common in the common cider, right? Uh, Sti- or slightly carbonated? Yeah, I guess. You know, pedalant, as they call it. Pedalant, uh huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you know, and, and I like it that way with a little bit of carbonation. It, it hel- helps to, uh, evolve the, the, uh, you know, when you pour it, it, it dries out some of those uh, aromas mm. and helps uh, the flavors kind of dance across the tongue type mm. of thing. Nice. Uh, it adds a texture to it as well, especially if it's a thinner, you know, if you're going with a lower alcohol and a thinner finishing gravity, a little bit of carbonation helps fill out the body as well. Mm-hmm. gives it some mouthfeel. So that's a nice thing. What about clarification? I mean, the presentation of the cider, you know, cloudy versus clarity. How do you get a clear cider? Well, and it can be any, you know, almost any range of things, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not too picky about my ciders being really brilliantly clear, but, uh, you know, it almost seems more natural when it has some cloudiness to it. Right. You know, you know what I'm saying? It, it's processed. Just, yeah, the, it's just the, uh, uh, mystery of the mind where, you know, to me, it, it, it tastes more fresher if it's, uh, if it's got a little cloudiness. It's like, uh, Apple juice. If you go and buy apple juice, if you get the one that's unfiltered it's and it's flavorful. cloudy and all that, yeah. and you think to yourself and you see crud in the bottom, you're thinking, ah, oh, yeah, this, this is going to taste better because it's got, you know, it's unfiltered. It's got all this junk in it versus the, the brilliantly clear one that you yeah. see that's been filtered. To me, you look at that in the store and you say, well, that one's going to taste more fresh. Right. And it's just kind of the same thing on apple cider. Right. I kind of, you know, and, and that's where appearance kind of can affect your mind and make you think that way. So sometimes I think a little bit of uh, cloudiness will be okay. If you want to clear it up, and especially if you're heating up your must, 
what you'll do is you'll you, you can end up setting the uh, the pectins in it if you if you get it too warm. They'll just always be there. Right, and, right. and you'll end up with a cloudy beer. Anytime you use fruit and it has pectins and, and you heat it up, the pectins can get set and will provide cloudiness. You can add a pectinase, which is an enzyme which will break down the pectins. Uh, so if you heat it up, you can you can do that to, to get rid of some of that if you're striving for a clear uh, cider. And you add that after fermentation, right? Uh, correct, correct. Okay. At the so you would let primary go, what, two weeks? Right. And then take a look and see if it you know, needs clearing or not, and you can add the pectinase. And it takes about a week, doesn't it, to, for the pectic enzyme? Boy, it's been a long time since I use pectic enzyme because I don't heat up fruits. Okay. Because um, they end up, you know, that cooked character. Yeah. You know, so I try and avoid that. But again, work, you know, a little clar- uh, clarity. I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry about it too much, unless uh, unless you really need to uh, uh, have it, uh, you know, brilliantly clear. Uh, you know, common cider. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I like a mess around. You can, you know, they they <laughs> say it should be clear to brilliant, but uh, I'm I'm a little flexible on that myself. Do you think the judges will like a a clear cider just by representation? I don't know. See, I think I think. We've kind of been trained, to be. especially in this country, to look at you know the the filtered things as not being as flavorful. Right. Now. You know, it's it's you you look at that in the store and you see something a little more cloudy. You think, ah, okay, yeah. that's got more of the real stuff in it. Right. And I think I think that may play in, take uh, part in in cider judging as well. You never know. You never. Yeah, it depends true. on the judge. Everybody's individuals, but uh, sometimes that that can come up. Well, what else? well, we got uh, a question uh, from the chat on uh, champagne yeast. Would you use champagne yeast in something like this? You could, yeah. Why not? Yeah, I uh, would dry the hell out of it. I mean, right, end yeah. up really dry. Yeah, it's it, neutral, not much flavor. Right. I, I think some of the don't the wine yeasts that you recommended they have give more, more flavor. To oh, them? for sure. Right. Cote de Blanc has you know more flavor. I mean, champagne is a neutral yeast. Right. I mean, that's just to ferment out any residual sugar, really. Right. So. Yeah, I'd, you I'd, could do it, I'd, but I'd I want the wine yeast because the wine yeast, even if you're going up to a high alcohol cider, and you want to bump this up to some ridiculous amount, um, you could uh, still go with wine yeast, hmm. and uh, you know, beer yeast will even go up, up way up there into the fourteen, fifteen percent if it's uh, handled right. Right, but you know, I wouldn't because of the flavor profile. I think wine yeast are really the way to go, and dry wine yeast they've they've done so much work on the dry oh, wine a yeast. Lot. They're really, really the way to go. You don't necessarily have to use a liquid wine, wine yeast for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, so you might want to use a champagne yeast if you added a lot of r- sugar back. You know, I mean, if it, your mm-hmm. original ale yeast p- pooped out on you, mm-hmm. add some champagne yeast just to clean it up. Yeah, you, you yeah. never know. Yeah, I, I would just start with wine yeast. Yeah. I think, and you'd be okay. Yeah, really, really one of the ways to go. What about oaking the the, the ciders? Sure. Smoke it. You're you're up for anything. Hell yeah. There are no rules. <laughs> That's I think I, what is it? I think a French cider is usually oaked, is it? They, sure. tend, they, they, they tend to have more tannin or something. Mm-hmm. So. Well, and and that's an interesting part. Uh an interesting point. So the apple skins will give you some tannins, the uh, apple stems and seeds and all you get get some tannins. Uh, you can also get tannins from um oak. Right. Oak will pr- add some tannins to it, and a lot of a little vanilla character, things like that, which can be nice uh, and round out the. Uh, and if you are aging it in oak, like a barrel, uh, you get a little bit of oxidation in there. It converts some of the alcohols, things like that. It's a an interesting thing. Hmm. Uh, if you want to add oak chips, probably the the most controlled way to do it is you can get yourself some boiling water, 
throw like an ounce of yeah, of uh, medium toast French oak into uh, a cup with some boiling water, a few uh, ounces of boiling water to stun any crud that's on there. Not necessarily because uh, oak is bad that way, but you know they get handled by people you know, in packaging, things oh, like yeah. that. And who knows, uh, you know, especially people like JP, they never wipe. So. Not at all. Yeah. Um, but you so, definitely want to be conservative, though, when adding oak. Right. You know, because if you add too much, you can't fix it. Exactly. You know, then you're, you're, well, you'd have to blend back. And that's, yeah, that's you know, true. It's, you end up with a ton of better to just do it right in the first place. Right. So add a bit. Right. And then wait. And how often should they sample it to see? Weekly. Weekly? I would do it weekly. Yeah. Because, I mean, it, it'll change so quickly on you right. after a week. So. It, it'll go it'll go from fine to over-oaked yeah. pretty quick. The nice thing is if you let it sit around for a while, some of that oak character will drop out sure. as well. Right. So it's it's not a total lost cause if you over-oak it. But you want to kind of uh, use some control like John's saying. Don't, don't go crazy with it. Uh, an ounce and five gallons is plenty, and in in a week or two, that'll add just the right amount. Mm-hmm. If you really like oak, you know, you can go longer, but it's the personal taste. For sure. You know, but uh, I'd recommend a, a medium toast uh, French oak to go with. Uh, otherwise, it tends to be, be a little way too, too intense. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and cider doesn't have a lot to stand up to that kind of oak. You know, a really high oak, like an American oak, that's, uh, you know, for a long time. Highly tannic. Yeah, it'd be <laughs> a little too much, so... You gotta be, gotta be careful and, and try and balance that out. I think American oak actually imparts double as much tannin as a French oak, so keep that in mm-hmm, mind. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. if you're gonna add an ounce of American, you should add probably an ounce and a half, two ounces of French oak. Mm-hmm. But I would do a half ounce of American oak, right? And or maybe an ounce, an ounce of French, right? Yeah, and uh, not too dark a roast either. Mm-hmm. You don't want you want to go with a medium toast as as medium medium plus maybe, yeah. That's uh, be about right. That's a good all-around uh, oak to use. All right, a couple of things coming up. A uh, couple of notes here uh, tonight at EJ Fair, seven o'clock. There is a uh, EJ Fair and Stone uh, beer dinner at the EJ Fair yeah, brew meet, pub. Meet the brewers. Yeah, have you? Yeah, you've been down to the EJ Fair. Oh brewer, yeah, brew I pub, live right? two blocks away. I see you there. What every night? Eh, once a month, but <laughs> I've had my fair share. <laughs> It's a, it's a great place. I go there when the Schwartz beer is on tap. Yeah, uh, of course. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's a really good food too. Yeah, very good. really good beer, and uh, they have a lot of guest beers as well. Mm-hmm. And a real friendly place, just a beautiful inside. I, I would highly recommend going down there if you're anywhere in the area, or if you're coming in from out of town. And tonight, seven o'clock uh, Monday night, they've got this uh, EJ Fair and Stone beer dinner. Also, you're going to want to listen to the Sunday show, which is coming up next. You have a chance to win uh, in the BN's Conical Christmas. You can listen to the Sunday show to register to win one of two Conical Fermenters. Did you hear that? One of two Conical Two Fermenters. Conical Fermenters. So, uh, hey, we got a pretty, since we only have uh, two listeners, I think everybody wins. Right? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's <laughs> Justin's funny. giving me an evil look for saying that. That's funny. No, it's probably more like 20,000. But uh, still, you got a pretty good chance of one of those conical fermenters. You know, if you compare it to the lottery, I think uh, this is this better is, than the lottery. Better choice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So the the Sunday show, listen to that. You got the chance to win uh, one or two uh, conical fermenters in the uh, Brewing Network's Conical Christmas. And uh, coming up on our next show, it's going to be a Schwartz beer. 
It won't be live, but uh, in two weeks it'll be Schwartz beer, and then after that, it's like other smoked beer or cream ale. We have no idea. Look on the website. The Brewing Network. Please send your questions for Jamil to Jamil at thebrewingnetwork.com. The Jamil Show airs live every other Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on The Brewing Network.